Dragon Ball Super, listen to Dragon Ball Super Dope, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, uh, yeah, YouTube, SoundCloud, it's all over the fucking place, just go listen to it. Uh, if you're on Apple Podcasts, please rate, subscribe, review, helps other people find the show, and that would also be... Not much in the way of introductions today, because I've been trying to record all fucking morning and just haven't had the opportunity to do so. Um, just a lot of shit going on in the house today. That being said, welcome into Dragon Ball Super Dope. Episode 66, Dragon Ball Super Dope, Climactic Battle, Miraculous Power of a Relentless Warrior. A.K.A. the one and only appearance of Vegito in Dragon Ball Super. I've said it before. When I think of Dragon Ball Super, I typically equate it or typically think first of the Future Trunks, Goku Black, Zamasu arc. I feel like this is the arc that is most synonymous with the series. But as I watch this today, I'm like, fuck, dude, let's just get to the Tournament of Power already. It's cool to have Vegito pop up in 66 today, but this is really where things, <laughs> they're like, ah, fuck, how are we going to end this? And you get to the end of the episode and you're like, oh, okay, that's that's how we're ending this, I guess. That doesn't make much sense based off of everything I just watched over the last several episodes. Like, thought this dude was immortal. Hmm. So, I don't know, man. Dub, dub sub versus comparison this week, really not too egregious uh, either way. Uh, some tremendous voice acting from... Not only the Vegito, you know, fusion of Sabbath and Chevel, that was great, solid, awesome performance. Uh, James Marsters as Zamasu, I know I've kind of ripped him here and there, but this also was an excellent performance today. Um, the intensity, the insanity, the deterioration of this dude's mind and his mental makeup and how it manifests into this body that's starting to, you know, shift into this big purple hulking mass of a fucking thing. Um, the screams, the intensity in that voice, it's definitely probably the best Samasu performance, um, thus far in the arc from a dub perspective. So awesome job, Marsters. I'm glad you're, uh, fitting in or in, I'm glad you're growing into your role or have grown into your role as Zamasu. You definitely have come full circle from the reserved, quiet person that he starts off as, and what it eventually develops into by the end of this arc. So um, I don't know if Marsters will be one of those guys that hangs around on the Funimation staff or if this is just kind of a one-off for him. But I don't know, man. If, I mean, consistency issues aside, I think the dude has some positives to bring to the team. But let's take a look at the episode and kind of go through beat by beat so we can talk about the ridiculousness that this arc devolves into. <laughs> For all the fucking promise and awesome setup that this arc has, it uh, it really slaps you in the fucking face at the end. And this is both one of my favorite and one of my most, um, I'm not going to say least favorite, because that wouldn't make sense, right? This is... Um, one of my favorite episodes in Super, but also one of the most fucking frustrating for me. 
So we're picking up off of last week. We had the father-son Gallic gun, boom splat, uh, dildo gun in the back. So Goku jumps in at the end and he throws a Kamehameha at Zamasu in order to, uh, you know, fend off this second huge blast that he just sent at them after Trunks and Vegeta deflect the first big Earth-ending blast. Um, we, we pick up in the middle of that beam struggle. Kamehameha versus this huge orange death sphere. And uh, it's a big key struggle, basically. Goku breaks through it. And so we get the first real glimpse of the corrupted Zamasu uh, with the purple uh, melting face. And you see his arms start to go kind of limp. And you see Gowasu and Kaioshin uh, explain, um, you know, now that they've fused the immortal body of Zamasu and the not-immortal body of Goku Black, now that they've mer uh, merged into one being... Basically, the lack of immortality on Goku Black's part, that's what's giving them a, an opportunity to beat Zamasu right now. So the regeneration's not working the way it is, and they kind of say a few different things, both in the sub and the dub, um, You know that alludes to the fact that Goku Black not being immortal factors into it, but also just the um, mental instability of Zamasu and how much rage he's going through. And you can hear it in both voice acting performances, sub or dub, uh, the screams and the intensity and the ferociousness of Zamasu and how much this dude is very truly losing his shit. It is a hell of a performance from both sides, but they kind of equate those two things as to why we got this bullshit purple fucking melting piece kind of working into his face. And then his arm goes limp after he gets blasted with this Goku thing, uh, after Goku deflects uh, his blast rather. So, this is where something kind of weird happened to me. I don't remember it happening like this when I first watched it, but Goku goes through this whole thing where his arms go limp. He's basically just using his legs in order to fight Zamasu. And he's doing okay for, you know, the brief moment that it's there. And then he finally powers up to the Kaioken. Like, how the fuck isn't this dude constantly fighting SSB Kaioken throughout this entire fight? There's probably some plot hole in there where it's like, holy kid, that'll drain all his stamina. I get it. Uh, but he powers up to Kaioken real quick. Kicks that dude in the face. Awesome, right? So Zamasu's down, hanging, and he's like, that's when you really take notice of the limp arm that he's got. Like, it's broken, and it, you, you can't see the arm, but you see it through the sleeve, and it looks much thinner. It looks like it got blasted away. Uh, Zamasu's arm will get blown away. So that's when he does this weird fucking thing that I didn't remember him doing. He throws up his hands and he's like, the light of divine justice, strike me now. A cowering God that appeases evil can, can never prevail. And like, there's some lightning things that, I don't know, kind of fucking hit him, like some energy stuff from whatever the fuck he just reached out to. And it hits that limp arm. And all of a sudden he's got like this ginormous purple arm that kind of looks like fucking Tetsuo's arm from Akira. But he's got like, a, a, it's like a purple Hulk hand, dude. When I was 11 years old uh, and the Hulk movie came out, I think I was 11. They had those big ass Hulk hands. You throw them on your hands and you fucking smash them together. And it's like, and then like you go to your neighbor's house and you ring the doorbell and uh, you like hide one behind your back. And you're like, hey, what's up? Um miss smith uh can your boy come out and play and she's like oh yeah i'll go get him and then he comes outside and you're like hey man and then he walks out the door and you pound him in the head with the hulk hand and he doesn't come out of his house for the next four months we're sorry matt we love you um i digress that's kind of what his hand looks like is a big fucking purple hulk hand and 
you know, they kind of allude to the whole idea that his body is becoming a physical manifestation of the instability that is his own mind. Okay, so that's that's really what they give you. I, I think I like the idea of it being Goku Black's not immortal body is corrupting the, uh, you know, immortal body of this Masu now that they're fused. I think I like that idea better as opposed to trying to work in that whole physical manifestation of the insanity within his brain thing. Like, oh my God, grasping at straws, are we? So Gwasu explains, hey, this gives us an opportunity in order to defeat this dude uh, what you guys are going to have to do, though, is hit him with something that you have not, something much more powerful than what you've been able to hit him with to this point. So they're all looking around like, ah, piss. How are we going to do that? Just kidding. It takes them all of five seconds to be like, hey, Vegeta, this is Goku to Vegeta. We got a fuse, dude. You know what that means. We got a fuse. This is what bothers me about Vegito. And I understand that this is not a Toriyama decision. Um... Toriyama never wanted Vegito to come into Dragon Ball Super. I really believe that he wanted Vegito to be a one-time thing in the Boo saga. He had no intentions to bring Vegito back for the saga. Toei Animation, on the other hand, were like, hey, Goku and Vegito got these new blue Super Saiyan forms, man. If you bring Vegito in for like, I don't know, five minutes, we can make a whole new blue Vegito toy for every fucking figure line that we've got for the rest of all time. So they were like, eh, all right. Goku concocts this plan real quick. Vegeta, we got to fuse into Vegito. We got to fuck this dude up. And this is where my frustration with uh, this episode really comes in is the retcon of the Patara earrings. I've talked about it at length uh, in past, past, early, early episodes. I'm talking like, I think when the Kale and Kefala shit came out and we were all like, oh no, they're going to fuse. Is it going to be Patara? Is it going to be Memorian? What does that fusion look like? What's it going to be? I'd gone off on this whole thing about how I didn't think it was going to be, I thought it was going to be a Patara earring fusion and, and maybe they would, um, that would be permanent. Like Universe 6's Pataras are permanent or, you know, if they get erased as Kefala, maybe when they get wished back with the eventual Wish 17 mix at the end of the tournament, Maybe because they're the warrior that got erased, they would be wished back as one person, but they kind of chopped that shit because the second they get eliminated, they defuse on the bench. I digress. Earlier episodes, I've talked about how much it pisses me off that they retcon the Patara. It takes away the sense of desperation. You only do it as a last case scenario. That was a big fucking thing in Dragon Ball Z when they first go to fuse into Vegito. They're like, oh, shit, we're going to spend the rest of our lives like as one person? This is this is a mess. Uh, this, this is going to, but we have to do it in order to save the world. Okay, the desperation is there. The sense of desperation is there. So with Dragon Ball Z, they give you, you know, seemingly a decent enough excuse as to why the permanence fades away and that they get absorbed by Majin Buu. You know, he eats them as candy. They go in, they, the fusion breaks down uh, within the, the stomach acid. So it's kind of explained there, like as to how they got out of this, you know, super permanent thing one time and how the, f uh, like way to cheapen it by being like, basically Kyle Shin says, Oh no, you got the rules wrong, dude. Uh, if it's between two Kyle Shins, it'll be permanent. But if it's between two mortals, it only lasts an hour. All right. Vegeta Goku. Now that there's no long-term repercussions out of the desperation of this fusion, why don't we fuse? Why don't you fucking fuse for every fucking goddamn villain arc 
whatever, whatever the overwhelming odds come now, why don't you all motherfuckers just fuse right out the gate and take care of business real soon? Keep the death toll low. I, I don't know, spirit sword a motherfucker through the head. Way to completely fucking degrade the intention of Vegito and Dra I mean, if you don't look at Dragon Ball Super and you're, and you're watching that dra part of Dragon Ball Z and you don't know about how they eventually retcon it, it's still there in terms of the desperation and the need and the necessity to bring Vegito out in that blue in that blue saga. They just they just dump on it here, man. And eventually, you know, it's a great fight. Visually speaking, it's a very well animated episode. The second half in particular has got some some amazing fight scenes between this, you know, corrupted Zamasu and this Super Saiyan Blue Vegito. Um, it's definitely entertaining. It's a it's a beautiful episode to watch, but in terms of the story, in terms of what they did to like the lore of Dragon Ball with a 30 fucking second conversation between these two guys who were like, nope, you had the rule wrong. Oh, I did. Oh. And then he explains how it really works. Like that, that frustrates the fuck out of me. And again, if you do it one time here, not that the circumstances didn't call for it. Obviously the circumstances called for it, but, and I understand that Saiyans are always going to want to inherently uh, battle and prove themselves as opposed to teaming up. But like now we know if there's any colossal fucking threat to Earth and we get real desperate and we isn't around to fucking hit the, the 10 second temporal rewind or whatever. Um, we got Vegito Blue, right? Right. This is what you guys have potentially opened up the door to. And I think that's why a lot of people thought Vegito was going to come into the tournament of power in the next arc because it's like. They've they've paved the way here, especially once Kefla comes in. It's like, well, if they use the Patara earrings, why doesn't Goku and Vegeta? This would be over. That would be a, a comparable fight or a comparable competitor to Jiren, right? I honestly don't know that it is. I, I don't know if a few, uh, SS Blue Vegito would be on par with Jiren. Uh, an SSB Ultra Instinct? Well, maybe not SSB Ultra Instinct. I mean, SSB Ultra Instinct Vegeta would be dope. First of all, that might be on par with Jiren, but... Or maybe just the regular Ultra Instinct Vegito. I fucking digress. They, a lot of people thought that he was going to come back in the Tournament of Power, and he didn't. The desperation's there, isn't it? And you just fucking ignore this humongous advantage that the Z Fighters have had, you know, in, in their back pocket. You know, a break glass in case of emergency kind of scenario. I'd say the Tournament of Power pretty much warrants the bringing out the Vegito. If you do it once, do it again. You brought in Kefla. I don't want to see a Kefla versus Vegito fight. What do you want, drugs? The fuck? <sighs> anyway. Vegito and Zamasu fight in this episode is awesome. But Vegito comes out of the gate kicking ass you know, right off the bat. He basically just grabs Zamasu by the face, smashes him down, and kind of you know helps him understand, like, hey, this is why I'm able to fuck you up right now. You've got this dude fused with you who is an immortal, and it's corrupting your immortal body. Um, Zamasu goes on another, yet another long monologue where he sheds a couple tears about how the uh, fucking, who gives a shit? Zamasu, at this point, I'm so over you. And I feel like the writers of the show were over you as well because within the next five minutes, Zamasu, you're going to be chopped the fucking half when last week nobody could fucking touch you. All right. So, uh, what else happens? Vegito continues to fight Zamasu. Uh, keeps it pretty interesting for the five minutes that he's there because before long, Goku and Vegeta go to quote-unquote finish it off, give him a fucking hammer fist down into the ground or whatever, and as they go to hit him, they just magically defuse. Whoop, not an hour. Actually, it was about seven minutes worth of time.
They just use too much power. That's another fucking thing. <sighs> I get having to use the consumption of power as a plot device, again, in the Boo arc for SSJ3 Goku to go away. He's only on Earth for a day. Obviously, the duration of a fight isn't going to be 18 hours or whatever. So theoretically, you're like, well, I mean, Goku's here. He's alive. Thank God he picked today to come back. Um, we're in good hands, right? Oh, nope, because he burned up his time with the power consumption. Well, I don't always necessarily um, love that whole piece of it. I think it's kind of eh. Um, the fact that they had to work that into the fucking Patara too. Like, you just took a dump on the Patara. Two fucking minutes ago. And now you got to take another dump on the Patara. They're just so powerful. They consumed all the energy. Oh, okay. Um, I mean, I'm no fucking Dragon Ball scholar. Okay. Watch that shit a lot. But why on earth would you give the Patara two different rules? Didn't apply in the first series. Completely takes out the desperation of having to use them in the first place. Bring him in and then be like, oh, actually, no, I'll tell you why. Because Akira Toriyama didn't fucking want Vegito in this arc. Toei did. Toei said, just let us get him in there for like five minutes. We'll sell mad fucking toys. That shit bothers me. They burn through the Patara fusion. Too much energy consumption. Zamasu fucks things up. Meanwhile, back at the fucking bunker garage that has somehow not been blown up. Because, you know, Zamasu can't destroy fucking planets and galaxies and gods and buildings this bunker still fucking stands <sighs> like i get having to have bulma in the arc but like really guy you had to put her in a fucking bunker in the middle of a of a battlefield yeah you see all the refugees hiding in there refugees that's not the right fucking word do i have politics on the brain you see all the survivors of this world uh you know hanging out in the bunker while bulma my yajirobi you know they're all kind of Trying to work on the time machine, get that part of it fixed. Um, you see Maki, the little kid, and her fucking little brother, whatever the hell his name is, Yaru, Haru, Haru, maybe. Um, Haru. Uh, they have Trunks's sword hilt, and uh, which my then gives to Trunks. And this was another part. This is what I'm saying. Like, it's cool to see Vegito. The animation's cool. Ultimately, how the episode wraps is cool, but there are a few different things that they do throughout the course of the episode to get there where I'm just like, what the fuck is happening right here? What's happening right now? So, Trunks gets this broken hilt. It's got a little bit of a blade left, and and he just fucking raises it up to the sky, and, and then, boom, big yellow energy blade on the sword. So, it's like an energy sword now. Okay, didn't realize you could do that, but he takes this fucking newly formed energy sword. I don't get the physics behind that, but physics. I'm trying to fucking put physics into Dragon Ball. Who the fuck am I? But I don't understand how this sword works from like a, a key perspective, especially given the mechanics of key and how they typically work in the Dragon Ball world. But whatever, we got to wrap this arc the fuck up, Trunks. Get out to the battlefield with this fucking yellow energy sword and let's do the damn thing. So, just as Vegeta and Goku unfuse, and Zamasu goes in for the kill, who saves the day? Whip it, bam! Trunks it! And he's like, what's up? Energy sword. 
And they have this long back and forth that I feel like I've already seen a couple times in this arc. This is the power of mortals and, you know, Zamasu kind of taunts Trunks. You know, what are you going to do next, motherfucker? You're going to go to the past again? You're going to go to the future? I'm going crazy. Look at my face. It's melted off purple. Wow. And ultimately, this first sword, I fucking forgot this first sword even happened, dude. Ultimately, this first sword serves no fucking purpose because... Other than the fact that you now know that somehow Trunks can use energy to make a, a sword blade, I, I guess. I guess this is the only thing, this yellow sword that. So it's not enough, right? And like for some reason, you can see the people outside of the bunker now watching Trunks in this battle with Zamasu. And they're all like, yeah, Trunks, you the hope, yo. We love you. Let's do this. You can do it, man. And before you know it, it's fucking Genki Dama season in this bitch. And all the blue key from all the living things left on the earth, which by the way, not very many fucking people. You see the general group of survivors that Trunks, Mai, Yajirobe, Boma have all been a part of. You see Android 8, Aider, what up? That's two episode appearances in like three weeks. Good to see you. Um, you see Master Roshi's turtle hanging out on the roof of Kami House. He gives up some energy. Once Goku and Vegeta realize what the fuck's happening and that all this energy is somehow clinging onto the hilt of this broken sword that, and not to mention, it's, it's, it's energy that Trunks didn't ask for and, and nobody volunteered to give. Somehow the energy just makes its way from the people to Trunks's sword. And we as the audience know, we're like, yo, it's like the spirit bomb, except it's not because Trunks down on the spirit bomb. And uh, typically with the spirit bomb, you got to fucking ask. All right. There's no asking that happens here. This is what I like to call the rapey Genki Dama sword. I forgot what episode me and Mike talked about it when Goku goes to build up that spirit bomb in the tournament of power. And we're all fucking theorizing this wild and crazy bullshit about how he's going to get to Ultra Instinct. I'm like, yeah, man, he's going to like absorb Xeno key or some shit or key from the Grand Priest like that rapey shit Trunks did with his sword. And ultimately, that's not how it happened. He just basically ate a Genki Dama to the face, and somehow that triggered Ultra Instinct. I, I'm not going to go there right now either. I feel like I've been angry enough today, so let's not go to the Tournament of Power tropes. Um, I talked a lot about it back then, and I'm like, how does this function? How does this work? How does it start? If Trunks A doesn't know the technique and B doesn't ask for it, it's not like everyone's holding up their hands and they're like, yeah, Trunks, do it. And like, it just actually kind of happens. Like it, they're just standing there watching this from afar. You see it happen to the survivors first. A couple of the kids, uh, a couple of the guards that have been with Mai throughout the arc, their energy goes first. And you're like, okay, okay, it's blue now. Maybe that's a little bit more powerful. Uh, and you really don't understand what the heck's going on until, you know, you got that. You, you saw Trunks cut Zamasu before this happens, like a little X across his chest. And he's like, yo, dummy, I'm immortal. What are you, fucking stupid? And Trunks is like, well, I'll just get a bigger sword then, I guess. And he comes back with a sword that's like five times the size of the yellow blade that he had earlier in the episode. Sticks it in the middle. Sticks him right in his fucking thorax. And then he goes up, slowly, slow cut. Zamasu, fuck you. Splits the face, clean in two. I, love, I like parts of this arc that kind of foreshadow all the fusions that's going to happen. There are a lot of shots earlier in this arc where it's like a split screen. One side of the face, uh, one side of the screen is Vegeta's face. The other side is Goku. Split screen, Goku Black and Zamasu meeting in the middle. Split screen, Trunks and Mai. Like, they do a ton of foreshadowing as to the fusion that's, the fusing that's going to happen in this arc. So to see it kind of deconstructed with that on that last up 
stroke from from Trunks' sword is cool. But at the same time, I remember the first time watching it, like, what the fuck's happening? And then when it ends, I'm like, whoa, wait, that's it? I, <laughs> I thought this dude was immortal. And ultimately, you know, for those of you who have watched the arc, we've got more to handle uh, in the next episode. So, and, and that's really where I kind of fucking lose my shit. With it. Like, this is like, I remember when this first aired and me watching it, I was like, really, dude? We just had all of this awesome, cool, dark, gritty shit in this arc. And it's like, well, it's getting a little long. We got to wrap it up. So, yep, he just gets sliced up the middle. Why the fuck didn't we do that from the beginning then? We needed some kind of divine intervention, Genki Dama, rapey thing to fucking come in and do it for us. I guess that's why we didn't know to do it. Nobody tried to do it. It just kind of happened. I know that it's Dragon Ball. I know that it's a cartoon show for fucking little kids in Japan. But at least give me some story that makes sense within your world. Because that, this episode does, and how it ends and how this arc ends completely spits in the face of all the good fucking shit this arc has leading up to this episode. It's cool to see Vegito, yes. It's dope. It's a really cool fight. But after the Vegito thing happens, I mean, let's be real, the Vegito thing, complete fucking fan service piece because ultimately Trunks gets the win. There's even that little scene where he's like, nah, I, I know this is my world. This is my problem. I have to be the one to solve it. I'm going. Hopefully I'll get a bigger spirit blade next time. I can't believe I, I got to the end of this episode today and I'm like, well, at least the Tournament of Powers are on the corner. Because I bitched about the Tournament of Power for a good stretch of time in this early, you know, early podcast episodes that we did. I just, I don't know, man. I just don't know. Um, But that's going to do it for 66. So I don't have a ton else for you outside of that. Uh, I have been pretty angry all day today about how I haven't been able to record this episode until... Jesus Christ, bro. It's fucking quarter to four. <sighs> PM, not AM. Although I did stay up last night super late waiting for a fucking dub to come online and couldn't find one anywhere. I don't know what the hell happened to you websites last night, but step up your game. It's up till five waiting. I mean, I probably would have been awake anyway, but that shit to do, man. Other than episode 66 discussion today, some good news did come out this week in regards to Super Dragon Ball When the news first came out that Super Dragon Ball Heroes anime was going to debut on July 1st, it was with the understanding that it would be in front of a live audience at a small festival in Japan, Lake something or other, I know we, I don't fucking know. So we were all kind of like, I don't know, does that mean we're going to have to wait? You know, a day, a week, a couple days until we get to see it online. When news came out this week, it's going to be available online at their website on July 1st. So we're not going to have to wait. Um, a couple more details have leaked out. Basically, we have the game to inform what the anime is probably going to do. Um, it's not a guarantee that the anime... I mean, again, this is just a short promotional anime. So they could really just rip right from the game or they could take some artistic license with it only because... Mainly because they're not locked into anything from like a story perspective with the anime or the manga. Like the the world of Super Dragon Ball Heroes exists within a bajillion timelines. So you understand that 
anything can happen. Obviously, the game is going to influence and kind of dictate what the anime will show, and, and they'll definitely borrow plot points, but I think it'll be a good opportunity to see some of the cool fan servicey stuff, like Super Saiyan 4 versus Super Saiyan Blue. Seeing two Gokus go out, it's going to be dope. Two good Gokus with two completely different forms from two different timelines. That's cool. Uh, we'll also get Golden Cooler. Uh, we'll also get uh, the return of Bojack and Zangya and their crew. Um, you know, just from the art that's been released to this point and some of the information that's come out, it's going to be, a, it's going to be fun, dude. As a fan of Dragon Ball, you're going to love it. But a lot of people have been asking online and I've had a couple of people ask me who I think it is, um, who this evil, you know, straight jacketed Saiyan is on prison planet that foo is, you know, based on what we see from the story spoilers that. He, he enslaves fighters on the prison planet because when these fighters fight on the prison planet, the energy gets transported to, like, this evil Mask Saiyan guy, I guess. Uh, I, I don't want to say Mask Saiyan because there's a lot of Mask Saiyans within Dragon Ball Super. The one I'm talking about specifically has a straight jacket on. He's got a mask on. Uh, he's got long hair and like rabbits and blanked out pupils. So because of the long hair, a lot of people have thought, oh... Raditz, yeah, cool. Time breaker Raditz, that'd be dope as hell. And you know what? That would be fucking dope as hell. I was talking to Mike Norm about it the other day. I'm like, dude, Raditz, one of the Raditz and Nappa to me are two of the most grossly underutilized characters in all of Dragon Ball history. It's Goku's fucking brother and Vegeta's like, you know, big bro caretaker, lackey henchman dude. Those guys are Saiyans, like the, the perfect personifications of Saiyans. And how we never had some kind of resurrection of, of either of those characters or, I don't know. Like, I, I, I love those characters so much. And it's so cool to see, like, not that these guys are quote-unquote fringe, but, you know, some lesser uh, utilized Saiyans. I'm always in favor of bringing those guys back. Except Tarble. He's kind of a bitch. So... Everyone wanted, and I wanted it too. I wanted it to be Raditz. It's not, it's not though. It's not Raditz. It's, um, you got to keep in mind with Saiyans, the archetypes of Saiyans and how they look. Um, there's not too many, especially among the lower class Saiyan warriors. There's not too many different looks that people have. And, and obviously you have the understanding that, you know, a, a pure blood Saiyan's hair never changes from the day that they're born. So this dude was born with long hair like Raditz, uh, Turles, Bardock, Goku were all born with that same hairstyle. Um, you know, Vegeta, King Vegeta. So, and I understand that hereditary, um, that genes plays into it a little bit. Uh, you know, it's probably uh, a trait that you inherit from your father uh, or whatever. But I mean, everyone thinks Turles is Goku's third brother. In, in reality, if you go back and, and watch subs, dude, they're not really related. He's just an evil ass Saiyan who dipped out on Frieza to go conquer his own planets. And uh, when it came over to get dubbed, they wrote in the whole thing about how they must be brothers because they look alike. So um, my point is archetypes very limited in the Saiyan world, especially among lower class warriors. So it makes sense that people thought it was Raditz given the, the long hair, um, but it's not. It's actually a Saiyan named Kanba. Now, I hope I'm saying that right. Uh, K-A-N-B-A, Kanba, Kanba. Um, and from what I understand, I believe it's a pun off of uh, cucumber, kamba, kanba. I think is what it's going to be. I think is, is how you'd probably say it, kanba. 
K-A-N-B-A, like cucumber. I assume that's cucumber, cucumber. I, I don't know, cucumber. I guess that's probably how I would say it. That's all I really know, that his name's Kamba. He's on this prison planet in a straight jacket, blanked out eyes. He's somehow affiliated with Fu. Um, I'm interested to see, you know, when this goes down. We will definitely be doing coverage of the Super Dragon Ball Heroes. Um, given that there's no real plan to, you know, import it over to the United States or anything like that, I do wonder or... Maybe not wonder how, but like wonder what the sub ability is going to look like. Like, I don't know how y'all rip your shit off the internet. I'm old. And then fan sub it yourself. But I, I have to assume somebody, uh, more than somebody, a few, a handful of people will be dedicated enough to get these things subbed for us and put online. It's going to be a fun series. And that's going to start again, or it's going to start up rather, um, in about three, four weeks time. So we got more shit to look forward to. Um... Movie in December, not too much else has changed on that. I don't know if you guys saw they released, um, you know, character designs uh, with SS Blue. I think I might have talked about that already. I don't fucking remember. Um, Super Saiyan Blue Vegeta, Super Saiyan Blue Goku. It's like the same poses, same colors. The blue is a little bit lighter than it is in Dragon Ball Super. Um, but December 2018, can't get here soon enough, but we do have this story. Anime to look forward to in the meantime. So that's dope. Um, that's it, though. That's super dope for the week. I appreciate you guys tuning in. Um, again, got to say it again. If you haven't subscribed, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, wherever the fuck, please go do so. Uh, if you could leave us a rating and a review, that would also be very helpful. Helps other people find the show. Um Follow us on Twitter, DB Superdope, the number one. Instagram, DB Superdope. Facebook, just Dragon Ball Superdope. And DragonBallSuperdope.com. If you haven't checked out our website, you can find all the episodes there. Um, play them right from the website. You can get to see the little descriptions that I type up with each of the episodes. So if you haven't checked out the website, please do. That's DragonBallSuperdope.com. And uh, yeah, man. I can't wait to have next week's episode to take a dump on because if you thought I was fucking pissed today, next week, I get really fucking pissed. Um, and then after that, I think we got some fun filler at least in between until the Tournament of Power recruitment arc. Um, you know, the early part, the recruiting piece of it picks up. So that'll be fun. I, we, we started the podcast, I think our first episode, at least that we have up online, I think is episode 102 or 103. I think it's 102. Um, once we get there, I mean, let's hope that we've got some new shit to talk about, but who knows? We'll see when that happens. But in the meantime, so